Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 20, how Abraham rose up early to speak with God after a troubling event, and how we should meet with God early, and not just during troubling times. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or it's also available for free on iTunes.com. Now, our resource of this month is the Calvary 18-Day CPR Book. The Calvary 18-Day CPR Book. You say, well, what is that? Well, Tom Cantor's written a book called Calvary CPR. And Tom teaches us in this book that the closer we personally associate the Scriptures with the living Lord Jesus Christ, the closer we come to receiving His life from the Scriptures. Now, when we read the Bible, God speaks to us. When we pray, we speak to God. Bringing these two activities together is the intention of the CPR method. Now, CPR stands for conversational prayer reading. Now, it is to read a verse and then immediately respond back to God in prayer. Now, this is called Bible breathing. Tom Cantor teaches us that, where we inhale a verse and then exhale a prayer in response to that verse. Now, this Calvary CPR, or Bible breathing, brings God and us closer together at Calvary through His Word. Every day we should kneel at Calvary and worship the Lord Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us there. And our Father who so loved us gave him up to deliver us from our sins. Now the scriptures are divided into 18 daily portions. From where we can meet with the Lord Jesus verse by verse and tell him how much we love him and for what he did for us on Calvary. This is a wonderful new book, 18-day CPR Calvary book by Tom Cantor. Now, here's an example of how the CPR or Bible breathing works. Now, we would read or inhale John 19.1 that says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Then we could immediately respond and exhale in prayer, Lord, thank you for not lashing out at Pilate. When he ordered you to be scourged, thank you for not calling 10,000 legions of angels to destroy Pilate. Because if you did, you would not have died for my sins. So there's an inhale of that verse and an exhale of thankfulness and prayer back towards what the Lord did at Calvary. This is your book from the Friendship with God radio program and Tom Cantor, Calvary 18 Days CPR, that'll help you improve your conversational prayer reading of the Bible, what Tom Cantor calls Bible breathing. Now it's yours for a donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. Call us now or after the program at one 800 247 3051. That's 800-247-3051. Get this powerful book, 1-800-247-3051. You'll be able to take it anywhere with you. Again, 800-247-3051. Thanks for supporting the Friendship with God radio program. You can also donate online or find the book online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching lesson. So let's first of all set our hearts for the study of God's Word. Lord, we come to you today with the knowledge of how needy we are. We need God. We need you. We need your help. We need your Word, Lord, to be a part of us and to help us. And so, Lord, as we study today, we pray that you would do your work, Lord, of putting your Word in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Genesis chapter 19, as it said, verse 27. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And behold, 
And lo, the smoke of the country went up as a smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. Now chapter 20, verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelt between Kadesh and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, she's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister? And even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the answer of my hands, have I done this? And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst it in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. He shall pray for thee. Thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin that thou hast done these deeds unto me that ought not to be done? And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet indeed she is my sister, she is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said unto her, This is thy kindness which thou shalt show unto me at every place whither we shall come. Say of me, he is my brother. And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants, women servants, gave them unto Abraham, restored Sarah his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleaseth thee. And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all other. Thus she was reproved. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, in our last study, we saw this tragic history of Lot. Really very tragic. And we said, Lot's a person we could call a saint who was stained. He was a stained saint. And we saw that there was no greater tragedy, perhaps, in the life of Lot than the fact that when we leave chapter 19, nothing more is written about him. We don't see anything more. That showed us that the end of a man who tried to live his life between the world, as symbolized by the city of Sodom, and God. Lot lost it all. And Lot lost, and any saint who thinks that he can love the world and love God is going to eventually lose like Lot did. And the worst loss for Lot is that he lost his service for God. And so his life of usefulness for God, it was just over. He lost it, finished. He makes it to heaven, we know that, but he has nothing to show for his life. That's a tragedy. It's a tragic end to the history of Lot. May it not be so for us. And so the end of chapter 19, where we see Lot, he's alone, he's betrayed by the last two members of his family, his unmarried daughters. They drug him. 
incest and so forth. And in contrast now with Lot, we go on. And God goes on with the history of Abraham. So our history now continues with Abraham. And as we saw in chapter 19, verse 27, Abraham gets up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord and he looks out over the plain to where Sodom and Gomorrah and behold, it says he saw the smoke of a country and what he saw when he looked out there was just this rising up of the smoke there. And then the commentary was, in verse 29, that that's what happened when God destroyed the cities of the plain and when God remembered Abraham and when God sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Now, we notice in verse 27 that Abraham got up early in the morning. Maybe Abraham couldn't sleep. You ever had that situation in your life? (laughs) You can't sleep. Or maybe it was a practice for Abraham. Maybe he was just an early riser. It was certainly the practice of the Lord Jesus Christ to get up early. We read about that, for example, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, where it describes the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. That's what Abraham was doing. It's very important when we look at verse 27 that it says, and Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. Abraham's heart evidently at this point is overloaded. It's overwhelmed. We can imagine how troubled he must have felt. I mean, and what does he do when he gets up early in the morning? What are we supposed to do when we get up early in the morning and we can't sleep? Is that we go to the place where Abraham went, he knew where to go to get fixed, to get repaired. And so that's what it says, this verse. It could have been tragic in the sense that if it was only half of this verse was there. You know, Abraham got up early in the morning. If that's all it was, if it was just, you know, you got up early in the morning, or Tom got up early in the morning, and that's all, that's no repair. There's no relief in that, you know. And you got up early in the morning, or I got up early in the morning, and we went on the internet, you know, <laughs> that's not good. The second part of this verse, verse 27, is so important where it says that he got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. See, we find repair. Abraham found repair in the second part, the place where he stood before the Lord. It's like the song goes, when morning gilds the skies, my heart awaking cries, may Jesus Christ be praised. Alike at work or prayer to Jesus I repair, may Jesus Christ be praised. So when we're so tired and we just wake up, and we don't know why we woke up, and we say, no, I need sleep, I need to sleep, I'm tired, and we lay there with a head on the pillow, that's the time to remember what Abraham did. That he got up and he went to the place where he stood before the Lord. That's not the time to go on the internet. And people at work, you know, I send these emails, and I forget, they're always looking at what time I sent the internet, (laughs) the email, I mean, you know what I mean? And then they say to me the next morning, so you couldn't sleep last night, huh, Tom? (laughs) Because they see, you know, I sent internet at 3 in the morning. So we wake up in the morning, we have a decision for how to view this disturbance in our sleep. It reminds me one time, I don't know if I told you this or not, but I'll tell you again, so you have to endure it. But I had traveled all the way from San Diego to Florida, to Hollywood, Florida, 
for one purpose. I wanted to bring the gospel to my aunt, to my uncle and his wife. And they both knew that I was the Meshumid in the family. You know, I was the Jewish trader and had become a Christian. But after all, I hadn't seen them since I was a little kid. I hadn't seen them for like 50 years. And I don't remember seeing them 50 years ago. But I had determined that this was going to be their weekend. Set it aside in my mind, made the plane reservations, flew all the way over there, and I was going to spend the time with them, and I was going to really, we were going to have a wonderful time. I had it all mapped out in my mind. And I was going to tell them how I found this wonderful new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so I flew across the country for the weekend. I told them that I was going to go from the airport right to their house, rent the car. I'd never been to their house before, but I had the GPS and the address, and so I could find it. So I rented the car, drove over there, and yeah, I found the house. I parked in front, all excited. I go walking up there, and I knock on the door, and what do you think happens? No one's home. (laughs) Nobody was home. And so I looked in the windows, and I thought, the police could be called. But I'm looking around the back and everywhere and trying to see if they're, no, nobody home. Okay, I said, maybe they just forgot or whatever. I'll wait in the front of the house. So I go back to the car. I wait 30 minutes. Nobody comes. I wait an hour. Nobody comes. I wait an hour and a half. And I thought, this is uh, not good. So then I decide to call their son, my cousin, who's in Atlanta. So I call him up. And I say to him, you know, here I am at your parents' house and looking forward to seeing them and all excited. And then he says to me, Tommy, Tommy, he says, my mom and dad are old, he says, and they really don't want you to come to their house (laughs) like this. They just don't want you to come there and talk to them. So they just left, (laughs) he says, you know, so that they wouldn't have to meet you. I thought, oh. And well, my cousin also knew that I was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, so I said, uh, okay, then I should leave. And he said, that would be good. So I left. Well, you know, I felt so dejected. I was so disappointed. I mean, I'd come all the way across the country. I so anticipated spending this weekend with them. I mean, I can't describe to you how I felt. Can you imagine how I felt? I felt bad. Anyway, so I went to the hotel and I checked in feeling so disappointed, so alone, I just felt I could cry. I was so sad. Why? Because I had planned something that was not going to happen. And my room was on the sixth floor, I remember. And everything seemed so dark. I remember the door to the room was stained dark brown. And I thought, that's how I feel. And so (laughs) I walked through there. And it was very similar to like waking up in the middle of the night and saying, what am I doing? What am I doing? I had planned on being asleep now. And so I opened the door, I felt exactly the same way, and I said to myself, what am I doing here all alone? I had planned on being with my my uncle, his wife, bonding with them, you know, and bringing them out of the darkness of Judaism into the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I had not planned that it was going to be like this. I had planned something else. And so, just like waking up in the middle of the night. So when I shut the hotel door room behind me and I turned on the light, it was such a dramatic thing. It was just as if I heard the words, Father, Son, Retreat. I thought, oh. And I smiled. I said, Father, Son, Retreat. 
That's what this weekend's going to be. It's going to be a wonderful time alone with my Heavenly Father. It's going to be a father-son retreat, alone time. And God brought me all the way across the country to have this father-son retreat with just me and him. And together, we're going to just spend this weekend together. And that was wonderful. And that night and the next day was a wonderful time. It's just a day of being separated from everything and talking to God in prayer, reading the Bible, hearing Him speak to me. It was such a special time alone with God. And I eventually did talk, you know, to my, my uh, uncle, his wife, and, and they in, invited me to have dinner with them that night. And I really didn't want to go. <laughs> you know, I wanted to stay with them. But I went. And I spent that evening with them. And the next day, and I was able to explain to them all about how I came to know, put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But looking back on it, the best part was the father-son retreat that I had not planned. And I would have traded that for anything. That's what God had in mind when we see in verse 27, Abraham gets up early in the morning and Abraham knew it was going to be a special time of a father-son retreat. So Abraham goes to the place where he had stood before the Lord. That's what God wants for us. That's what he wants for us every morning, especially when we can't sleep. We wake up, and when we come there, and we understand, it's like God is calling us. He says, I'm calling you. I'm calling you now. You come now. We're going to have a great time together. Father-son retreat. Father-daughter retreat. Very special alone time with God. Just like it says in Luke 21, 38, And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. And so what did Abraham do that morning? He did what he did. Verse 28, he looks, he has his time. And then he says he looks out on the plain, in verse 28, toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain. And behold, lo, smoke of a country went up as the smoke of a furnace. So he looks toward where Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he sees this giant plume of smoke. I don't know, maybe it looked like Hiroshima or something like that. You know, it's just, uh, just going up and rising up. And he sees this, and it says it looked like a big furnace is what it looked like. And he doesn't know the details at all at what happened to Lot. But what it says in the next verse is very important because the description of what happened in verse 29 is that this is what happened when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. That's God's commentary. Abraham doesn't know that. He doesn't know the details of what happened. He'll learn later on. But all Abraham sees is this absolute and total destruction of the cities and the place where Lot lived. But the way verse 29 describes it, it shows us what Abraham did know in his heart because the destruction is described that way that this was the time when God remembered Abraham and delivered and sent Lot out. See, that's what it says. This was a time when God remembered Abraham. What Abraham really knew when God destroyed these two cities was what Abraham had said that he knew in uh, the chapter before, if you want to look at it, Genesis 18:25, when he said to God, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. See, first, Abraham knew foremost that God the judge would do right. Whatever he did, it was going to be right. What God had done with these cities was right, and Abraham had peace over that. 
And the second thing he knew, Abraham knew, is that God would not destroy the righteous with the wicked. So Abraham knew that Lot believed God like Abraham did, like Abraham had showed him and taught him and Lot had followed through. And Abraham knew that because Lot believed God, Abraham knew that because Abraham believed God, that God wove it into him for righteousness. So Abraham knew that because Lot believed God, that God wove it into Lot for righteousness. And so Abraham has this assurance that Lot is okay. I don't know the details. He's not going to be slain with the wicked. And even though all Abraham could see in this verse 28 was smoke, that's all it says he saw there, which is smoke, smoke, everywhere smoke. Abraham knew that his time, the time that he had invested in the chapter before, in chapter 18, was not in vain because Abraham knew he had been heard by God. And it'd be some time before Abraham would learn all the details. But that morning when Abraham looked out, verse 28, over this and saw all this smoke, 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 that Abraham saw with his eyes his smoke, but he knew in his heart that God had remembered him. We could just freeze that scene in our minds. The scene of Abraham looking out over this plain and seeing this great smoke, which on the surface spells catastrophe for Lot. That's what it looks like. Catastrophe for Lot. And yet, as he's looking out over this plain, we can see in Abraham's face this peace, this assurance, as he knows God is going to do right. He's going to deliver Lot. That's going to be a repeating theme for Abraham. When Abraham will get up again very early in the morning in Genesis 22, he'll cut wood for what purpose? To burn his son up with. But cutting the wood to burn up his son looks like an absolute total catastrophe for Isaac. Like the smoke looked like an absolute total catastrophe for Lot. But his face, again, Peace, assurance, because he doesn't understand the details, but he knows that God's going to do right. He's going to deliver. The same chapter, chapter 22, when he ends up raising his knife above Isaac to kill him, and the knife over Isaac looks like a total catastrophe for Isaac, again, on Abraham's face. There's peace, there's assurance, because he knows the same two things. God's going to do right. God's going to deliver Isaac. So in verse 28, when Abraham looks towards Sodom and Gomorrah, he sees all this smoke, he has this look on his face of peace and assurance. It's going to be a long time before he gets together with, we don't know how long, with Lot and finds out all the details, and then they'll just praise the Lord for his faithfulness. And the question is, for us, can we be like Abraham? Can we be like Abraham when we are looking at what looks like an absolute catastrophe Can we get that blessed assurance and that peace that Abraham has just to know that God's going to do it right and God's going to deliver? You know, it reminds me, maybe I told you this before, it reminds me of the telegram from the Jewish son to the Jewish mother. Did I tell you that before, the telegram from the Jewish son? Do you remember that? Start worrying, details to follow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) When we see what looks like a catastrophe, God sends his telegram to us that says, start praising, details to follow. And as Abraham walked away from that site of the cities on fire for Abraham, 
Abraham started praising, knowing that the details would follow. And can you imagine when Lot found Abraham and there was such a reunion and the hug, the bear hug, the tight squeeze. Uh, He says, now, he says, sit down and tell me the details of how God delivered you, Lot. Well, you know what that's going to be like? That's heaven. That's what heaven's going to be like. Heaven's going to be like lots of bear hugs, tight squeezes, and now sit down and tell me the details of how God delivered you in your life. Now, there's something else very significant about these verses, 27, 28. So it says here that it was early in the morning, and he looked there towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And then it says in verse 24, that God rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. See, the men in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, they went to sleep that night, probably very peacefully, looking forward to just a good night's sleep. Some of them had a little eyesight trouble. Maybe they had some trouble finding the bed. But apart from then, everybody else was looking forward to a good night's sleep. It was during that night when all was calm and all was quiet that the judgment of God just fell like a boom out of heaven. And they found themselves in the fire of God's wrath. They had no idea when they went to sleep that that was going to be their last night on earth. They didn't know. When the Lord said to the man who was building all the barns, he said, thou fool, this night, he didn't know, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. See, their judgment came as just a total surprise. As it says in Hebrews 10, 31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. For free materials, go to friendshipwithgod.org for lots of free resources, videos, and teachings from Tom Cantor. You can also find our bookstore available at friendshipwithgod.org. You can purchase Tom Cantor's materials. Just click on Resources. Now, we also need your support to continue this Bible teaching radio program on this station in your city. Please support us by donating online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or please call us with your donation of support today at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051.